Good morning and welcome to our service here at Midway. We're so thankful you've chosen to be with us. I look out and see guests in our audience today and we're so thankful for that. Again, as we say from time to time, we want you to know that you're welcome, invite you to come back, and we'd love to get to meet you and to know you a little better uh, today. If you're looking for a church home, we're looking for you here at the Midway Congregation. As we begin our lesson this morning, I want you to think about something with me. What is the hardest thing for you as a Christian to do? Think about that one. I know that may be unfair to put you on the spot and say, all right, well, think of it right here off the, off the top of your head. What's the hardest thing for you as a Christian to do? Now, let me name two or three common things that people say a lot of times. You know, if you're, if you're a guy, if you're a man, you may say, well, the hardest thing for me to do would be to stand up in front of an audience and lead a song. You know, I don't know, I'm just not sure I could get that song started right. I don't know if I could get the pitch right. You know, I might make a mistake or something like that. Some folks say the hardest thing for me to do is to teach a Bible class. You know, I don't know if I could do that or not because, you know, that, that, that's pretty hard. It's a lot of responsibility to stand up and teach a Bible class. And you know, uh, for not only men, but that's for women as well because we have younger uh, classes that need to be taught. We have other ladies who need to be taught and things like that. I just don't know if I could teach a Bible class, or, or it may go something like this. I don't know that I could teach a home Bible study with my friends and teach them what to do in order to become a Christian. You know, they might ask a question that I can't answer. I don't know the answer to. And, and, and so I, I, you know, I just sit there and I'd look like a fool because I wouldn't be able to answer the question. And so I, I, I won't teach the class or I can't teach. It's hard to do that. You know, I could go on and on and on talking about different things that, that folks say is hard, hard for them to do. Uh, sometimes folks say, you know, I'm just not sure that we as the church can take the gospel into all the world. That, that is too hard a job for us in this little bitty congregation. Too much work, too, too big a responsibility, too great a task forced to be able to do that. So that's probably the hardest thing for us to do. You know, the list is long, isn't it? And this morning you may have thought of something else that I haven't mentioned. I just threw out some general things this morning. Uh, it's, it's pretty tough to do a, a lot of different things, but, but one thing that I have never had anybody tell me, you know, when you're thinking about hard things to do, I've never had anybody say the hardest thing for me as a Christian to do is tell one of those pine trees out here to get up and go jump in the, in, in the river. Never had a single person tell me that that's the hardest thing for them to do, to get up and to go and, and to, to get a tree to go get into the river, just uproot itself and go. Never had a single person tell me anything even close to that. Not even a sapling, you know, a little bitty one, just... Not, not one of the great big ones, just one of the small. Never had anybody say anything like, have you? When you're talking to people about being workers in the kingdom of the Lord, have you ever had anybody say, the hardest thing for me to do is go tell trees to go jump in the river? Anybody, you know, raise your hand. I don't generally ask folks to raise their hand. Raise your hand if you've ever had anybody tell you, that's the hardest thing for me as a Christian to do. Nobody's heard that? I, well, I haven't either. 
Well, you know what? In the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse number 6, Jesus had a statement that we need to consider this morning. He said, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. I want you to stop and think for a moment. I want you to consider it very carefully. Which is harder to do? To tell a pine tree or a mulberry tree is the case with Jesus mentioned here or even one of the little saplings that you might find. Which is harder to do? To tell that to go and get up in the sea or the river or to stand and lead a song? Which one is harder to do? Which is harder to do? Jesus didn't just say about pine trees or mulberry trees or any kind. He told his disciples on one occasion, he said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to get up and it would be removed into the sea. And so which is harder, to teach a Bible class or to sit down across from someone and, and to teach them what to do to be saved? Which is harder to be done to do one of those kinds of things or to tell a mountain or to tell a tree to get up and be removed into the sea. I think just about everybody's going to say the harder thing to do is to tell the tree or the mountain to move, right? And it's just, when we look at that as being impossible today, it just can't be done. But in principle, Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed... You could do that. If that is harder than leading a song or teaching a Bible class or teaching someone what to do to be saved, and it only takes faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain, what size is our faith this morning? Ooh, that stings a little bit, doesn't it? When we start thinking about not doing these hard things that, that we have in life, and... and that big thing that Jesus talked about, if I could just do that, you know, how big is my faith if all these other things don't even begin to compare with what Jesus spoke about there? And yet he said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could do that one. That one stings just a little bit this morning, doesn't it? Jesus told that in Luke chapter 17, verse number 6, because of a statement that was made in verse number 5. In verse 5, his disciples made a request to Jesus. They said, Lord, increase our faith. As we've begun our lesson this morning, you may be thinking already, I need my faith increased. Preachers indicted me this morning, so I need to in increase my faith. And, and, and so I need to be like the, the apostles, the disciples who were there with Jesus and, and say, Lord, increase my faith. Well, Jesus made that statement when they asked or when they made the statement, Lord, increase our faith. But do you know why the, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith? Do you know what he was teaching them? Do you know what he had said to them that prompted them to say, well, what he said was this. 
You know, in verses 1 through 4 of Luke chapter uh, 17, the Bible says, He said to His disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea, than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves, He said. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times again saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus taught them two things in this parable or this paragraph. He told them, number one, you don't need to be a stumbling block before other folks. And number two, he said, if somebody sins against you, and they repent of that sin, then you are to forgive them. And not just to forgive them one time and then turn your back and say, all right, now I gave you a shot. He said if he sins against you seven times in a day and he turns to you seven times that same day and says, I've sinned and I want your forgiveness, then you're under obligation to forgive him. And you know the reaction that the disciples had to what Jesus said? When the disciples thought about the words that Jesus said, they thought this is going to be hard. This is going to be probably one of the hardest things that we are called upon as Christians to do. To, to forgive somebody who says bad things about me. To, to forgive somebody who would come up and take their hand and slap me. To forgive somebody who would say, you know, or do something hurtful or vengeful against me. And if they did it seven times for me to forgive them, it's going to be hard. And you know what? It's going to take a lot of faith for me to be able to do that. I've got to increase my faith and I need the Lord to help me to increase my faith if I'm going to be able to do this kind of thing. And so the apostles, they said to the Lord, increase our faith. You know what? The Lord has commanded us to do a lot of things that are going to be hard. It's not necessarily easy to be a Christian, is it? To live right, to do the things that God wants us to do every single day to get up and be good every day, is it? The Lord has commanded us to do a lot of things that are hard. And so the reaction that sometimes we have is the same as what the disciples had. I need more faith. I need to increase my faith in order to be able to do the hard things that Jesus wants me to do. Well, let me just say this morning, in the time that we have, Jesus did at least two things to try to help his disciples with their faith. And, and uh, they'd asked for him to help increase their faith, but, but Jesus does two things to help them with their faith this morning that we'll talk about that are, that are pointed out here in this passage. Number one, as we think about it, Jesus helped his disciples with their faith by changing their focus. He says you've got to think about this in just a little bit different way. You, you, you've got to put your attention somewhere else. You've got to change the focus that you have. And the reason I say that is because of what he said in verse number 6. 
They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, hey, guess what? If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell that mulberry tree, get up and go jump in the sea. And it would get up and it would go. So Jesus said, it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to be able to do the hard things. You see, these folks did not necessarily need as much, were not necessarily in need of as much bigger faith as they were a better faith. You see, bigger would be a larger seed, the size of a pea or the size of a corn or, you know, going on up whatever size you want it to be. But Jesus said, it's the small faith that you have that can cause you and allow you to do what God wants. Brother Wayne Jackson wrote in regard to this passage, he says, the teacher told them faith is not to be measured so much in quantity as it is in quality. The quality of their faith needed to be increased. Now, what do you mean when he, what did he, what was he trying to tell them when he said to them, he told them that they could tell the the mulberry tree to get up and go jump in the river? What was the point that he was wanting to make with them? They wanted the Lord to increase their faith, and he began to tell them about a tree getting up and going and jumping in the river or the sea. And so, what was the point that he was seeking to make with them? In whom were they to have faith the size of a mustard seed? Think about that one for a moment. In whom were they to have faith the size of a mustard seed? Were they to have faith in themselves or were they to have faith in God? Really and truly, who was it that would have moved the mulberry tree or moved the mountain? when they told it to get up, would it have been them? Or would it have been God? I want you to think about a few verses with me. In the book of Acts, chapter, it was God who made the miracles possible. You might want to fill that, uh, that blank in. It was God who made the miracles possible. But look at some verses with me. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 22, there... We find these words, Peter speaking, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Did you get the source of power that was mentioned in that passage? It was God who caused Jesus, allowed Jesus to walk on water. Not the man Jesus, but the God part who allowed him to do that. It was God who could say through Jesus to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth! And a dead man, stinking, would get up and walk out of his grave. It was God who through Jesus could say to the winds and to the, to the sea, Peace, be still! And it would get just as calm as a beautiful spring day. It was God through Jesus who did these things. Look at some other passages. Acts chapter 19 at verse number 11. Just to confirm what we said. 
The Bible says there, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Was Paul doing the miracles? Well, they were coming through him, but who really was the power behind it? There's no doubt in my mind that it was God who was allowing him to be able to work the miracles, to, to, to raise people and to, to do all kinds of things. Another passage found in the book of Acts chapter 15 at verse number 12. And all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Again, as we look at it, we understand Paul and Barnabas both said, yes, we were able to do these miraculous things. But it was God who empowered us. It was God who was working through us to be able to do these things. It wasn't us. It wasn't that we were special or that we were magic or that we had anything within ourselves. It was God working through them. And so when we look at it, passages such as Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 says, While God also bore witnesses by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed among them according to His will. God was the one who was doing these things. You see, for our faith to be the quality faith that we need, that we want to have, that God requires us to have, we must stop trusting in ourselves. It was God who could have moved the mountain. It was God who could have moved the tree. It wasn't more faith that they needed. It was the right kind of faith. It was the faith in the proper way. It was the quality faith that they were to have. Now I want you to think about something else this morning just to confirm what we're talking about. In the book of Mark chapter 9, we have a father who has a son who, who has a problem. And that son, he, had, he was possessed by a demon. That demon, that spirit, the Bible said, made him mute. He was unable to speak. And whenever it seized him, the Bible said, it threw him down and he foamed at the mouth and he grinded his teeth and, and he became rigid. There were all kinds of problems that the gospel writers point out that this young man had. And the father relates to Jesus and says, so I ask your disciples to cast it out. And then here's the sad part about it. The Bible says the disciples could not cast it out. And Jesus asked them to ask this man to, to bring it, uh, bring his son to them. And after Jesus had completed the thing that needed to be done in healing this, this man and casting this, uh, this uh, possessed uh, spirit out of him, the disciples go with him into the house. And in, and in Mark chapter 9, verse 28, the Bible says, when they entered the house, his disciples said to him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why couldn't we do it? And that's where we find Mark chapter 9, verse 29. He said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I want you to think about something this morning. The failure of the apostles here 
seems to have been that they omitted prayer. When we pray, what do we do? We talk to God. When we pray, we ask for God's help. You see, they fully expected to be able to cast that demon out of that man, didn't they? If they didn't, why did they ask Jesus when they got in the house? Why couldn't we do it? They tried. And they couldn't do it. They fully expected to succeed. So their faith was not what was failing in that they expected success. Their problem was taking it for granted. Listen to me carefully. Their problem was taking it for granted that they could succeed without praying to God for His help. For His help. Isn't it interesting what Jesus did before raising Lazarus? Have you ever noticed this? In John chapter 11, verse 41, the Bible says, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You've heard me. Father, I thank You that You've heard me. Who worked the miracles through the man Jesus? Well, it was the God Jesus. And He spoke to His Father, The Father and the Son are in agreement. But he spoke to his Father. He prayed to his Father. And he said, Father, I acknowledge you. Oh, not so much in those words. He simply said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. Father, I acknowledge that the power comes from you. You see, when Jesus told the apostles and the disciples who were with him, that if they had faith the size of a mustard seed, they could tell the tree to get up and go jump into the sea, and it would. He was pointing them to the one who performed the miracles. It's not the quantity of our faith, but God Himself who's able to make the difference. It's the quality. It's who we have faith in. We have to stop trusting in ourselves to do the hard things in life. The hard things as Christians and start trusting in God to be the one who works through us to do those things. But secondly, this morning as we think about Jesus and how He helped His disciples, He helped His disciples with changing their viewpoint. Changing their viewpoint. This one sort of ties in to what we've already said. He changed their focus. He took their focus off of themselves and put it on God, but he also changed their viewpoint about themselves as well. In Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 7 and going through verse 10, he says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you are commanded, say, We're unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. Did you realize that that parable was told in... 
response to these people asking the Lord to increase their faith? He tells them, first of all, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell the tree to get up and go jump into the sea, and he'd go jump in the sea. But then he says, all right, let me tell you about, let me tell you about this man. He has servants. They've been out working. He, they all come in. And do you really think he's going to say, all right, let's just all eat? He's going to say to the servants, no, you go prepare the food. I'll eat, and then you can eat. Do you think he's going to thank the servants for being servants, for, for doing the things that they were supposed to do? No. When he got finished, when the servants got finished, they were still unworthy servants, unprofitable servants. They were just that. Now what does that have to do with anything? Somebody pointed out that the prophet does not begin until the servant goes beyond his obligation. And these servants had not gone beyond their obligation. And, and certainly we don't go beyond our obligation because when at the end of the day, at the end of our life, everything that we've done in response to God is still being a servant of His. We're still unprofitable or unworthy servants. Even if we do, even if we're good every single day, we're still unprofitable, unworthy Servants. We have not been, gone beyond our obligation. But, if we're unworthy servants, before we do what God asks us to do, and we're unworthy servants after we've done what God says that we're to do, what happens when God invites us to the table anyway? Think about that and let it soak in for a minute. We weren't what we were supposed to be, all that we could be or should be before we began to be a servant of Christ, certainly. And, and even when we got finished, having served Christ for a lifetime, we're still unworthy servants. What happens if He invites us to the table anyway? That's what Jesus is saying here, the man, the servant, the one down here on earth, he doesn't invite a servant to the table. He expects them to do their thing. What happens if God invites us to the table anyway? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, have you ever noticed this? Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and He with me. Does that not sound like Jesus is inviting us to the table? Anyway. The Master inviting us to the table. Anyway. So back to my question. What happens if Jesus, God, invites us to the table even though we're unworthy servants? Surely the Laodiceans, the lukewarm Laodiceans, surely they were unworthy servants. That's where this passage comes from in the middle of that. What happens is, is the grace of God has invited us to the table. God has exercised His grace by inviting me to the table. 
Preacher, I'm still not following. What happens when I'm struggling to forgive? That's what started this whole thing. If the brother sins, forgive him. If he sins seven times and he comes and repents and says, I've sinned seven times in a day, forgive him. That's what started. What happens when I'm struggling to forgive? What happens when I'm struggling to do the hard things in life? I'm still unworthy if I get them done. But God, with all of His power, is still there. Even though I'm imperfect, unworthy, God's still there to help me. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. Stop trusting in yourself. Change the focus. Start trusting in God. Change your viewpoint. You'll never get so good, so mighty, so powerful that you can do everything on your own. You still need God's grace. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, it sort of does something for my faith. I understand it's not all me. It's, it's not all on me. I've got God in my corner. I've got God on my side. I've got God who wants to save me, wants to get me through the tough times, wants to help me do the hard things. He's there. If I ask Him, if I've got enough faith to say, Father, help me. Help me get through this one. And take His Word that He has already delivered to us and abide by its principles. He's there to help me. Even though I'm an unworthy servant, God is still there to help me. As we close our lesson this morning, when you're struggling to live like God wants you to, you can do one of two things. When you're struggling to live like God wants you to, you can beat yourself up for being so weak. That's little faith. And what's more, that is trusting in you. That's trusting in yourself rather than in God. Oh, the number of people who have struggled with that very thing. Oh, the nights that they have lain awake worrying about their faith. Beating themselves up because they're just a human being. But the second thing you can do is this. You could ask for God's help. For you see, that's the faith that moves trees and mountains. That's faith in God. That's mustard seed size faith. That's what it's all about. Not the quantity. 
It's not the size of a peach, but the size of a mustard seed. And when it's in the right place, it moves mountains and it moves trees. How's your faith this morning? Have you begun that journey of faith today? Becoming a Christian, doing the things that the Lord demands that we do as far as our initial steps of obedience and believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of our sins, making the great confession, being baptized for the remission of our sins. If you're here and you need to do those things, we'd love to assist you with that in your obedience today. Don't put it off any longer. Take that step of faith. Maybe you're here and in the past you've become a Christian, but you've been struggling with your faith. Maybe you haven't lived as you ought to. Maybe you have intentionally gone astray, or maybe you just uh, have done things that are wrong and, and, and other folks know about it. It's public and that you need to make a public response. Stop beating yourself up because God wants to forgive. God wants to help you. God wants to save you. Maybe this morning it may be that you need to respond to the Lord's invitation in a public way. And if that is the case, why don't you do it right now as together we stand as